0: Hello, my name is Donnie Smith and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you and enjoy. Good morning, everybody. How is everybody this morning? Good. First of all, I want to just take take just a minute and thank Donnie for trusting me to come up and speak to all of you. And I know there's a declaration that we typically make when we open up the Word of God. If we could bring that up on the screen, and we can do that together to just maintain that tradition and that reminder that what we're speaking this morning, and I will use A lot of scripture that this is the infallible word of God. This is what we need to really hold on to as an absolute truth in a world that is so full of situational truths where we just kind of have a tendency to justify. Our actions and the things that are going on in the world. When God says no, He says, "This is the truth." I'm not concerned with everybody's opinion, right? So, if you would read after me this Bible declaration, it says, "This is the infallible, infallible. undisputed, and inerrant Word of God." Today I open up my heart, mind, spirit, and soul to receive from its truths. God, I thank you that fruit will abound to my account as a result of reading, hearing, and applying your word to Every, Every. so come on, say every Every. area of my life in Jesus' name, name. Amen. amen. You may be seated. So I don't take this lightly whatsoever. I do truly believe as a broken vessel of God that if I open up my heart, in my mind that he will share things with me that can help me deal with the situations in my life. And I truly believe that he opens doors for me as a leader of a company, um, as a former pastor, um, as a co-leader here at Ascension, and then this wonderful opportunity given to me today that I would not be up here if God did not want you to hear this. So my prayer is, is that you will open your ears, as Jesus would say, he who has ears, let him hear. And that you would believe that this is not me speaking, but God is really trying to communicate something to you. So you can navigate the storms of life. So Donnie is, Pastor Donnie has been speaking a lot about keys. And Jesus said, I give you the keys to the kingdom, right? So every time he comes up and he speaks about a key, I encourage you, take notes. I went back and there was one um, session that I missed called the, the harp, choose the harp and not the sword, Right? And it was powerful. And I've got a few notes from that that I'm going to share with you. But I also believe that there's a key today that God wants to share. And it's the key of posture and position. Come on, say posture and position. These are two key elements that we have to apply to understand what God is doing at certain times in our lives when things seem like they're falling apart and when things are going very well. Our posture has always has to be a place of immense humility. And our position always has to be one of knowing that we have won the war in spite of the many battles that we go through. Can anybody relate? Okay. So the harp and the spear was a spiritual message with very practical applications. And some of the things that I received from that was that the, some metaphors for the harp and the spear, like respect over retaliation, Giving instead of taking. Forgiveness over bitterness. Praying for somebody instead of bashing them. Worship over fear. (laughs) Blessing those who cursed you. Loving the unlovable. Affirmation and encouragement over critical correction and or judgment. Representing Christ. When we represent Christ, we are re-presenting Christ to the world. Remember Christ said on the cross, Somehow, some way, Christ said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I've always struggled to some degree with that because it seems like they knew exactly what they were doing. But deep in their heart, they did not know. And so many times people try to hurt us or do hurt us. And we hurt people, but we really don't know what we're doing. God help us. So today I want to talk about posture and position. Knowing the war is won while still dealing with battles almost every day. Donnie is, Pastor Donnie is a good friend of mine And I share things with him that there's only two other people I share with. And that's a pastor that has been a friend of mine for 18 years and my incredible wife. And I believe he shares some things with me that he only shares with a few people. And it's about the real situations we deal with on a weekly basis. We are no different than, the, than the, the thing, dealing with the things that you deal with in your families, in your businesses, in your workplace, in your health, in your heart, in your mind, doubting God sometimes, wondering where are you, what, where are you and what are you doing? I don't understand. Yet we faithfully keep coming back to him because we have this belief that he is real and he loves us and he's, he's got something better on the other end of all of this. If we can simply look past all of this, like Jesus said, he looked beyond the sorrow for the joy that was set before him beyond the cross. So if life never gets better, we still have this hope of joy, this hope in Christ of eternity. Let's not let our present circumstances stop us from impacting this world for the kingdom of God. Amen? So knowledge and understanding of who we fight and why we fight is extremely important, and we're going to touch on that. Acknowledging that there is a fight. There's a fight. There's a battle. And Satan does not take any breaks. He is relentless. And he has an army that marches daily trying to take you and I out but he is a defeated foe, rest assured. (laughs) One day we're gonna look at him and we're gonna say, what? The Bible says this. This thing caused all of this? This petty little minion? That's what God says. Identity. Understanding who you are is critical in being able to know your posture and your position. Positioning ourselves spiritually, mentally, and physically. What you think matters. Your spiritual disciplines in your life matter. And the places you go and the things you hear and the people you hang around matters. It all matters. And if we don't get it all lined up, that's when we, we get really out of whack. But God has this place for us that we can find that is a place of peace and joy and victory. And we can, we can be there the majority of the time. I truly believe that. Speaking today, my hope is that we already have an understanding of the foundational keys to the kingdom because we must have these first and foremost. And first and foremost, it has to be love above all the Bible makes it clear that love conquers everything. It has to be number one and we have to keep going back to love. Prayer. Prayer is an essential key to your success. Fellowship. What we're doing right now, fellowship with our family, Fellowship with other believers. And yes, fellowship with unbelievers so that we can shed the light and the love of Christ in the darkness of this world. Binding the strong man. There is no bounty if you don't bind the strong man. It's biblical, it's scriptural. And I don't have time to take you there. But you know, must recognize that there is a spiritual warfare, a way that you fight that binds the strong man from being able to get into your finances, into your family, into your head, and into your heart. The giving of the three T's. Time. Time talent, and treasure. This is foundational, people. These are foundationals that we must grab a hold of before we can move on. And then probably just as important as anything is humility. Man, we are never as great as we think we are. We are never as far along as we think we are. And if you'll notice that these foundational keys to the kingdom are bookended by love and humility. And there's, that's not by accident. There's no coincidence there. Those are your two strongest points that you need to focus on today. Love and humility, and I fail so many times in both of those areas. But His grace is sufficient, amen. So, if we could pull up Hebrews 6 1 through 3, we could get that on the screen. So, Paul says in the book of Hebrews, He says, Therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. The word perfection in the Greek means to complete, completeness. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So look at some of the things Paul is calling elementary principles of Christ. Isn't it so obvious that Paul is desperately trying to tell us that we need to mature in Christ, that we cannot just come to church on Sundays and listen to a message and expect to move up into a level of maturity and then keep wondering why we keep going around the same mountains. Can I preach real today? Because I struggle with it myself. God is speaking to me before he will ever allow me to speak to you. We must move to places of maturity where church, this is the first day of the work. These are our first fruits. But every day when you get up, he should be on the top of your mind. Before you go and get, well, I get coffee, okay? But it is coffee, then the word of God. That's how I start my morning every morning. And I encourage you to do the same. When we get a paycheck, the first thing we do is do our tithes. Why? Because it's the first fruit. We need him to be first in every area. So, we talked about knowledge and understanding of who we fight and why we fight. Hosea 4 6, if we could bring that up on the screen. He says, "My people say that. "My people, are you his people? Yes. You are his people." So he's not talking about the world. He's not talking about those that are lost and have not heard the message of Christ. He's talking about you and I who have given our hearts to Jesus Christ. He says, "My people are destroyed for what? A lack of knowledge. But he doesn't stop there. And you need to get this because this is extremely important. He says, because you have rejected knowledge. Do we reject knowledge sometimes? Do we do that? He says, I will also reject you from being a priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Oh, my God. Now, as a man of the house who is called to lead the house, that hits home pretty hard because I love my children. And do you know what it means to be a priest? You are the priest. God is... (laughs) In Revelation, he says, Jesus has made us kings and priests unto God. You are the minister. You are the connection, the men of this house. You are the connection, the women of this house. You are the connection between God and your children. You are the priest. There's no more going to the priest with your your spotless sheep and uh, this sheep and this goat being used as a scapegoat. God abolished that. That was the law and he brought, brought Christ to make us kings and priests so that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, and simply ask for forgiveness. Do you believe that this morning? God is not speaking to unbelievers, of uh, the unbelievers, church. Can we pull up First Corinthians chapter nine? Verses twenty four through twenty seven. This is the Apostle Paul, starting at verse twenty four. He says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? but one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everybody who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we as believers for an imperishable crown. And then Paul says this, he says, therefore I run thus discipline not with uncertainty thus I fight not as one who beats the air but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest when I have preached to others I myself should become disqualified now whether you come up here and you hold a mic or not you are priests and you are preaching the gospel out there I hope to some degree to the people that you come in contact with because you have been, God has revealed something to you that is priceless and there are so many people who do not have this knowledge, this incredible knowledge that you have that there is a God, that there is a a son that was sent. To set you free. And they're a lost and dying world. I don't know how I lived 38 years without that knowledge. No wonder I was a drug addict and a thief and an abusive. That a person. but God when boy, when Christ came in, something, something happened. Man, I want other people to recognize that. I want other people to get that. So I've got to fight, not as one who beats the air. In other words, i got to know what I'm fighting. I've got to have a strategy. I've got to understand how to fight according to God's word. And that I'm not fighting flesh and blood. I'm not fighting Joe Biden. I'm not fighting the, 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 the far left. I'm not fighting pronouns and all of this nonsense that is going on. We are fighting principalities and powers. It is a spiritual war, and it is real, people. Look at what is going on around you. Open your eyes. We cannot just keep walking blindly as the church because we have this certainty of what's going to take place for us and our families. We've got to have a love and a passion for those who are so stinking confused. They're so out of touch with any type of reality. There's like 300 genders. What? They've got me confused. The Disney World cannot say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Thank God for our governor. Thank God for Ron DeSantis, who will stand up to this nonsense and say no. He will be our president, trust me. And listen, Paul wrote chapter 13 of Corinthians, the love chapter, didn't he? Everybody knows that real well, don't, don't they? But here he speaks of a competition, doesn't he? He speaks of running the race for a prize, and then he says, I fight. There are sometimes some things we are running for, something, there, there's something worth fighting for. He is also referring to bringing his flesh and mind into submission to the things of God, which our minds and our flesh are probably our biggest enemies. Yeah, right. Or at least they are for me. And as Donnie, Pastor Donnie keep calling him Donnie because he's my friend, but Pastor Donnie consistently talks about what you feed. How, what are you feeding? What are we feeding? Are we feeding our flesh or are we really feeding our spirit man as much as we feed our flesh? Because if we're not feeding the spirit man with the bread of life, then he's not going to be strong enough to dominate in our lives. And we're not going to be able to walk out this level of victory God intended when Christ went through everything he went through. Christ did not have to go through all of the beatings. He did not have to go through all of that. The blood was sufficient for salvation. Does everybody understand that? The blood alone was sufficient. All he had to do was hang on the cross and the blood flow. But he went through all of that for our iniquities. For our healing. He went through all of that for a reason so that we would not have to walk around as defeated people just waiting on heaven. I've been in a dark place where it was just like, I just want to go to heaven. And I wasn't very useful. I wasn't very useful for my family. I wasn't making a difference. God pulled me out of that darkness and he's allowing me to make a difference now. But there's still so much room for growth. There's still so much flesh that needs to be crucified right here. And he got, God tells us, He says, you must crucify the flesh. And he'll bring situations and he'll bring things into our lives to help us crucify the flesh. But the more that we can do it on our own, I think the better off we're going to be. Would everybody agree with that? (laughs) If we have 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 6, if we could bring that up. I just I keep quoting Paul. And it's this is just what God, I felt God brought me to. He says, now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold towards you, but I beg you that when I am present I may not be bold. excuse me, that I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down, what? strongholds, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, how many thoughts? Every thought into captivity to the obedience of who? Christ, and being ready to what? Punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, how do we take this scripture practically? In other words, you have a Holy Ghost filter. God has, God has downloaded the Holy Ghost and he is your filter. And if you can learn to discipline yourself to not react to every situation that comes your way that brings on conflict, if you can, if you can discipline yourself to Pause. Okay? I got to pause here because it says, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. If I don't pause, how do I bring a thought into captivity? Because I, listen, as a priest, you know what a priest, one of the priests, one of the, the uh, uh, gift of a priest is he is able to determine what is clean and unclean and what is holy and what is unholy so your position your uh, your office and your position as a priest is you are able to determine what is clean and unclean what is holy and unholy in other words what is from god what is from the devil So I have to grab that thought and say, okay, where'd that thought come from? And if it came from the devil, what do I do? It tells me what to do. Cast it down. Do not act on it. Do not speak on it. Do not move on it. Do not let it impact me. But if it is from God, then I am to speak it. I am to act on it. And I am to move on it. casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, those thoughts that tell you that you can't do this, that you're not equipped to do that. Well, I can't stand up in front of people and speak. I'm not bold enough to go and share the good news of the gospel because of what they might think. Those are all lies from the devil telling you the opposite of what God says who says that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I can beat this situation. I can overcome this disease. I can make it through the pain. I can deal with that child that I don't understand acts the way he acts sometimes. I can control my anger that boils up sometimes when my children don't obey me. And make silly decisions. Ready to punish all disobedience, my disobedience. Not punish their disobedience, punish my disobedience until my obedience is fulfilled. That's got to be our longing in our heart. We've got to be real about this, people. It can't just be an emotional response for 30 minutes or 40 minutes in a church service. It's got to become a part of who we are. And I know there's so many people in here that are that. They have that conviction They have that strength, they have that understanding. I'm looking at a whole bunch of them right now. And you're setting examples. You're setting incredible examples for people in your lives. I commend you, but don't stop, don't stop. Don't ever think you're there, keep fighting. You see, Paul starts this this whole thing on 2 Corinthians 1 through 6, and he starts with an extreme level of humility, doesn't he? He says he comes with meekness and the gentleness of Christ. But then he ends with this this uproar that he knows that he's got to fight. And that uh, he's fighting the devil And he's fighting his flesh. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I know that all too well. If we could go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And he says here, very simply, and from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Do you understand that from the days of John the Baptist, do you know what that means? See, there was something powerful about John the Baptist because Jesus said there was no greater prophet than John the Baptist. Can you name one miracle John the Baptist did? Did John the Baptist call down heaven, fire from heaven and kill 400? Did he part the Red Sea? Did he raise the dead? No, but you know what he did do? He came preaching, repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So from the days John the Baptist came, he was preaching a new message, people. He was preaching a new message, and Jesus said the exact same thing over and over. Repent, and repent is not a bad word. Repent does not mean stop what you're doing and do something different. That's what I used to think when I heard the word repent. Repent means change the way you think. It's not the way it used to be. It's not the way you've been trained to think. It simply means you need to change the way you think about God. And you need to change the way you think about God thinks about you. And you need to change the way you think about God and how he loves you. His love for you... Oh my God, we're going to get to that. His love for you. In spite of all the hurt and the pain, you can, the, the love he has for us is something that we have to attain the knowledge of to make it through this broken world. And just to make it clear, the word Force, the violent, take it by force. It says literally, biazo is the Greek word. this to use force, to apply force, to force, to inflict violence on. We are coming after the devil, fighting with the weapons of God, which are not carnal, They're not guns, they're not our fists, they're not our tongue. Well, they are our tongue. I rebuke you. I speak God's word. We had the declarations last week. Those are the ways we fight. And force, it means to seize to carry off by force, to seize on, claim for one's self eagerly, to snatch out or away. Devil, we are putting you on notice that we are coming to take everything that you've tried to steal from us. And you cannot stop us because if God is for us, who can be against us? There's some things going on right now that I will not divulge. But the enemy thinks he's got a foothold somewhere with that we're all familiar with. I gotta be careful. He has no foothold. And he's about to find out the hard way. That he's dealing with people who are not going to lay aside. We're going to fight. We're going to fight for what God has given us. And God has equipped us with wisdom and knowledge, natural wisdom and knowledge, spiritual wisdom and knowledge to deal with what's coming at us. And we're going to do it the right way. Knowing who you are and your identity. Revelation 5, 8 through 10. It says, now when he had taken the scroll, he being Jesus, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp, each having a what? A harp. And golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Come on, people. Are you listening? The prayers of the saints, they're being stored up in heaven and they're going to be used for a reason. They're gonna be poured out on the devil and everything that he's planned to do and it's going to destroy him. This is why prayer is important. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us, what? Kings and priests unto our God and we shall reign on earth. This earth and the new earth to come. You need to understand who you are. You are a king and a priest. You are not just a parishioner. You are not just a carpenter. You are not just this or just that. You are a king and a priest. We've already talked about what a priest does. Do you know what a king does? A king is royal. A king has dominion over something. A king is a warrior. And we know what happens when a king does not have his rightful place in the battlefield. All we have to do is look at the story of David. You see, the Bible says that the the New Testament says that the Old Testament is there for us to learn from so that we do not make the same mistakes that David did, that Solomon did. That we don't get so full of ourselves and we send somebody else. Well, they can fight the battle and we get caught up in the things of the world. We must maintain our positions as kings and priests, warriors, prayers, This is a prophetic message here in Revelation of what is to come. But it has a past tense statement about what Jesus has already done. It doesn't say he will make us kings and priests. It says he has made us kings and priests. Come on, grab a hold of this family. Grab a hold of this family. You are royalty. Don't let anybody or anything tell you you are any less than that. God wants to break the chains of your insecurities. He wants to break them off, chop them off at the knees and release you to go do what he's called you to do. And God is gonna fill this church with people just like you. And you all are going to be disciples of those people coming into this church because God is raising up kings and priests in this church. It is sad to see what's going on out here with some mega churches and things going on right now and I'm not gonna bring up any names and I'm not gonna bash any churches or anybody But my God, we are not a church who are, we are not looking for fame. We are not worried about numbers. We are not worried about our egos. We are not worried about what anybody thinks. We are not adulterers and adulteresses. We are a church led by a man and a woman of true integrity. You you need to understand the value of this church leader that you are sitting under and the level of accountability that he holds his leaders to. There is something to be said about that because the big church seems to have lost sight of that. It's all about the numbers. It's all about the money. It's all about the fame. It's all about the fortune. How many celebrities can we bring into the house? When we start reserving the front row for special speakers, give me a break. Set them in the back. Until so they earn their way to preach. Let them clean the toilets. Let's see if they're really converted to Christ. A king is a leader of people, he's a prince, a commander, and a lord of the land through the nation of a foundation of power. That's what you are a warrior whose very foundation is the rock, and I'm not talking about Dwayne Johnson. Every battle you go, you got Jesus, your big brother, saying, you guys, you don't want to mess with me. This guy right here will kick your butt. He never leaves us nor forsakes us, no matter what it feels like. Just like when we're in the 12th round and we feel like we're losing and we're about to get knocked out, here he comes. And he's going to do his thing. And his thing is win. He is a winner, and you are winners. I want to end with this story. I'm taking more time than I'm supposed to. But if you could, did, did we have 2 Chronicles? I don't think we had 2 Chronicles. I'm going to read the story. The the <clears throat> excuse me. Second Chronicles, if you want to follow along, 17 through 25. There was a great king, um, Jehoshaphat. And he was told about this great army coming. It would be like us sitting here with 60 people and we know that there's 10,000 coming at us. And a prophet comes and says, hey, 10,000 are coming and this king doesn't panic, but it says that he goes in and he inquires of the Lord. So when that big battle starts to come, what is the first thing we need to do? Inquire of the Lord. And he says, you will not need to fight in this battle. This is God speaking. Position yourselves Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, wait a minute. We're not going out with swords? You're sending out the worship team? Three of them? That's what he said. He says, Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Amam, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Your praise and worship brings an incredible amount of confusion to the enemy's camp and they begin to kill each other. (laughs) And they were defeated for the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there were their dead bodies. They didn't even have to fight because they inquired of the Lord, they listened to the Lord and they positioned themselves They knew when to fight, how to fight. But more importantly, they knew how to inquire of the Lord to get the wisdom as what to do. And there were dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were there three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. So there is a spiritual. Of gifts and rubies and gold that God wants to impart in you. It's not about money and trucks and homes. This this is the, the, the New Testament is a spiritual shadow of the old testament. Do you understand? Because all of that stuff means nothing. The peace that you get in your heart, the ability to deal with the challenges of life and children and being a good dad and being a good father and being a good son and a good daughter and being a good friend and being a good employer and being a good employee those are the things that are precious and we can't do it on our own. God's got to download those spoils into us. Those rubies, those riches. God, may we all get this today. Fill us, God, with you Fill us with your presence. May we come after you with everything that we have. And God, thank you for your mercy when we miss it and we fall back into some of our old stuff. Thank you that you love the backslider. Thank you for the book of Hosea that teaches us so much. I've got so much more, but I believe, I believe God has gotten his word across. I would like to. Can we find one scripture? Psalm 139. Verses 6 through 8 can we find that I want to just park here for just a minute and then we'll close because if we don't get this if we don't get this then we're going to we're going to miss so much and i just God put this on my heart so heavy that there's people in here who don't really understand, myself included, how much God really loves us. And if you read this whole book, maybe when you get home, this whole chapter, it would help you immensely. But my, my goal right now is to part on this verse and, and maybe... If you don't understand or you don't sense the depth of this, that maybe we can bring you up for prayer or we can do something because God wants to do something right here, right now, I truly believe. And it says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go? from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence if I ascend into heaven you are there if I make my bed in hell behold you are there and then I'm going to jump down to 13 and it says for you formed my inward parts you covered me in my mother's womb come on I want you to repeat after me For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Do you know that the Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God? And it does not mean to be scared of God whatsoever. It means to be revered, to understand the holiness of God and the love that he has for you and that you have this reverence. Like when royalty walks into the room, unfortunately, we see idol worship all the time that if a a famous star or somebody was to walk into this room, there would be this, this sense of reverence but if we can get this reverence of God, then that's the beginning of wisdom. Why do I tell you that? Because God says that when he made you, he made you out of reverence. He looked upon you with such reverence and he was like, my God, look what I have done. You were made, and God revered you. He revered you so much. Do you understand how much God loves you? Wonderfully made. There's not a thing about you that God does not consider perfect and lovely thanks so much for joining us we hope this message impacted you today if you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977 interested in hearing more check back weekly for new messages have a great day